much for taking a little time out of your day to join us and the conversation right here. I'm Evan Bray. We've been chatting with uh, different areas within the education system to understand some of the challenges a little bit better that are in front of not just teachers, but our students and us as taxpayers when we're trying to find the perfect solution when it comes to education. But the reality is this isn't a problem that is simply here in Saskatchewan. In fact, this is a problem and a challenge that is being experienced across Canada. Classroom size, classroom complexity continue to be major sticking points with the impasse that we've had on a new teacher's contract in Saskatchewan. But how have other provinces handled it? I've talked about this many times. There are provinces in Canada that have been able to put some classroom complexity solutions, opportunities for adjustment throughout the year when needed, right into the teacher's contracts. And so we wanted to check and take a look at how it is being done across Canada, what some of the different options are, maybe even find out how they're working. And here to help us navigate this discussion is Heidi Yetman, the president of the Canadian Teachers Federation, joining us from her office in Ottawa. Heidi, thanks so much for taking the call. It's a pleasure. I appreciate having you here. So, I mean, maybe the obvious question, but we've been talking nonstop for three weeks about classroom complexity. I don't know if I'd said those words prior to a month, a month and a half ago, but this isn't unique to Saskatchewan. Classroom complexity is a problem, I'm guessing, across Canada. Well, absolutely. You know, class complexity, complexity just means that you have a lot of students and some of them have needs and some of them have different needs. So the in a class, the more complex the class is, and it's in every classroom across Canada, we have complex classrooms. So this is nothing new, um, and we have students that have all kinds of needs from maybe behavioral issue needs to, um, you know, they might have autism, they might have uh, learning needs. So yeah, so it's everywhere in Canada that you're going to find classrooms with all kinds of different students who have different needs. Heidi, my next question actually lists off exactly the list you just did. I have issues come from various backgrounds, education and learning levels, behavioral issues, mental and physical complexities. Is there, like, is this a one-size-fits-all solution? Well, I think what the key here is that we need to be listening to teachers on the ground and saying, okay, what is it that you need? Now, I was a teacher for 23 years, and my number one thing was to make sure that my students succeeded. And if you have a lot of students with needs and you have no resources, then it's really hard to get your students to succeed. And that's pretty depressing as a, if that's your, you know, if that's your goal in your profession is to get students to succeed and to move on to the next level, and you're unable to do that because there just aren't resources available. Uh, and there are provinces, like you said, that have found some solutions, and they're not perfect, by the way. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've heard that Quebec uh, teachers were out on strike for quite a long time, and it was about class complexity as well. So they haven't found the complete solution there either. Uh, but what's important is to have language in the collective agreement that allows for the province to give money to the districts so that they can get the resources that they need for the students in the class. And that is not what's happening in Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan has no language at all 
in their provincial collective agreement. So, Heidi, I'm, this is such a peculiar conversation, I find, uh, given <laughs> given this given this fact. Heidi Yetman, my guest, by the way, president of the Canadian Teachers Federation, because it feels to me, and, and even just the words that you just used, it feels to me like the teachers... Wages and benefits, that's definitely things that you would expect them to bargain that impact them directly. But yeah. in this case, they are, they are bargaining things that are affecting and helping school boards and divisions, helping educational assistance, things that are actually outside of their purview. Yes, it impacts their working conditions. Yeah, but absolutely. it's, you know, it's a bit of a head scratcher to me that, you know, why aren't the school boards fighting harder for this in all of Canada? Are they happy to sit back and let the teachers do the dirty work? Well, this is this happens across the country as well. School boards are on the employer side, and I, I know that if I've had if I've had conversation with school boards in my own uh, district, they all happy to hear that teachers are out there fighting for them. But they can't do that because they are the employer, right? So it is a really, it is perplexing for sure. But yes, that's what teachers are doing. Teachers are fighting for the students in their classrooms, and they're fighting to make sure that their districts have the funds needed to help those students. So, and this is what teachers do. Eh? We're, we're, we're a strange bunch also because we, we do really care about the students in our classroom. You know, it's, it's a, a little bit of a sidestep, but I, my former life prior to, to doing radio work, I was a police officer and I did that for a oh, number wow. of years. And so, you know, it's akin to police officer unions out there fighting to try and get prosecutors more support in the courts and, Absolutely. uh, you know, cr- corrections workers more support in the jails because it seems like you know police fighting fights for other parts of the justice system almost the same as how teachers are now fighting fights for other parts of of education so i want to get into what what some provinces are doing is it five provinces sure. in canada that have this built into their collective agreements uh so you have uh some in ontario you have new brunswick uh prince edward island uh quebec and british columbia right. those are the ones we're really quite aware of um i am a teacher from quebec so i know the system very well in quebec and they have monies uh specifically for class composition in their collective agreements so what that means is the school board, we call them school boards or districts, uh, will uh, call upon the province to get some monies because they have a few classes or many classes that are more difficult. And then there's a discussion between the union and the, um, the union and the school board to decide what they're going to do to help a specific class. But what's wonderful is that the school board has this money available and they can reach out to the province and say, listen, we have this many complex classes, we'll need this much money and this is what we want to do with it. Now that can range. Uh, it could be, oh, we really need to split this class in two. It's too hard to manage by, like, you know, we'll get it, we're going to hire another teacher. So that could be a solution. Uh, another solution could be we're going to hire um, a special a specialty technician for behavior because we have maybe two or three students that need to be pulled out on occasion to get some uh, help with that. Uh, maybe a teacher, an extra teacher assistant in the classroom to help a particular student. So what's really interesting with this, it's not one size fits all. It is money available in order to do that work and to make sure kids are supported. 
So has it, would you say in Quebec it's been, I mean, you, I know it's not perfect, but is it working well? No, it's not well? perfect. Is it working it well? It has been working well. Um, you know, we've got some examples of classrooms that were split in two and, a t- and a t- an extra teacher hired in order to make sure that those students are doing well in school. So it isn't perfect and there isn't enough money. And that's why teachers in Quebec were out uh, before Christmas, fighting for more money in, in, uh, from the province to help kids. And they, uh, well, we don't know yet, but at the end of February, we'll find out if they agreed with the new collective agreement. And it seems like the province has put more money into that uh, particular uh, clause. So the, the, it's been a fight in BC when it comes to this uh, this issue. Um, it, it started at the local level. My research shows that they used to negotiate with the school boards on things like smaller class sizes. Then it got bumped up to the to the level uh, of the province. This uh, Bill 28, a 14 year legal battle that ended at the Supreme Court of Canada. It, the, was that a fairly monumental thing in terms of instilling this? Yeah. That was huge, because basically what was uh, what came out of that was that yes, uh, collective bargaining is a fundamental right, and uh, teachers have the right to bargain. And what's happening in Saskatchewan, and I've looked at the um, you know I've looked at the collective agreement in Saskatchewan. I was quite amazed at how thin it was, uh, how little there is. There is there is nothing on workload and working conditions in the provincial uh, collective agreement. And what happened in BC basically said, yes, teachers have the right to negotiate their workload. They have a right to negotiate class size. They have a right to, to negotiate class composition. It's a fundamental right. So that is a big deal. And um, it, it brings us right into, you know, the rights, uh, uh, human rights, which is really interesting, that collective agreement, uh, sitting down and, and negotiating is a, is a right. So that's really, really an important uh, important thing that happened in B.C. Chatting today with Heidi Yetman, president of the Canadian Teachers Federation. So if we set classroom size and complexity aside just for a second, the, the notion of, of wages is something that is being talked about here. Both sides are fairly far apart, at least at the point where we broke and, and started looking at strike action in the province. Uh, you had the province offering essentially 7% over three. Uh, the teachers were asking for 2% a year over four years, plus a cost of living increase indicative of the cost of living that we've seen, you know, during yeah. the, the duration of that. How are Saskatchewan teachers poised when it comes to wages? compared to teachers across Canada? Well, I actually can't answer that. But one thing that I can answer is that when you have um, uh, inflation rates that are increasing and we're looking at something like, you know, 6.8% something around there in 2021, and then the government offers a 1% or like, you know, 1.5% increase, that is not enough. You are decreasing the purchasing power of the teachers. So uh, I think that if I if I if I think if I look at across the country, uh, wages are fairly similar. Um, but everybody in every province who has been negotiating uh, recently have been asking for cost of living, and it should actually be embedded in the collective agreement. Uh, private companies usually give cost of living. We always look at cost of living to decide on wage increases. 
But when you're working for the government, unfortunately, uh, you know, it's the taxpayers' money, right? right? So everybody, you know, so of course you're thinking, well, if, we're, if we increase their, their wages, it increases our taxes, et cetera, et cetera. But everybody should be at least getting uh, cost of living. And that's, you you know, that's part of the challenge. You know, yeah, you that want is to protect purchasing power for right? sure. I, I was just going to say we this is a, a, an open line call in show, and so we hear that. Uh, that's yeah. the con. That's the competition is hearing from people who are living in a cost of living crisis. And so while there may be support for teachers, there's also this support for I need to put food on my table, and I can't right. afford my taxes to go up. And then it comes down to you know how are we going to pay for this. That, that right. becomes and ultimately you know, the argument. I, I also hear a lot, like sometimes I'll hear things like, well, you guys shouldn't complain. You have a pension. It would be that everybody should have a pension. My argument would be that everybody should be getting an increase for cost of living so that everybody can afford to put food on their tables and not having to worry about a roof over the head. So everybody should be getting cost of living. So to to argue against teachers who want cost of living, to me, is arguing against really fundamental things that society should be doing, and that is taking care of people, you know? And uh, so that's why I think it's really important to at least give cost of living when you're looking at uh, wage increases. Heidi, I appreciate the chat today and giving us some pr- perspective across Canada. Thanks for your your time this morning. Oh, it's been great. Thanks for having me. Heidi Yetman, the uh, Canadian Teachers Federation president, giving us a bit of a glimpse into how classroom size and complexity has been handled in other provinces. Uh, we do know in five different provinces it has been embedded in the collective agreement. Will that be the case here? Well, that's what you and I are going to talk about next. Speculate on what this new renewed mandate from the province might look like. I have my speculation on it. Let's talk about it next on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Well, good morning and thanks for joining us this morning. I'm Evan Bray. We've just spent the better part of an hour having discussions with representatives from educational assistants and a representative from the Canadian Teachers Federation on classroom size, complexity, and how it's going to be solved. I have to say, I haven't changed my opinion. I still am not convinced that classroom complexity belongs in the collective agreement. I'm sorry. I, I, it's an issue. 100% it's an issue. And I think part of the problem and part of the reason why I think putting in a collective agreement is the wrong thing to do, because I don't think we can agree on the fix of it. I don't think we can even agree on what is causing it. There are so many different factors, and we talk about this. And we've heard from teachers that Biff the bully isn't what classroom complexity is about. It might be about a student who's been held back, or not held back, I should say, but but moved on for a couple of years when potentially they should have been held back, and as a result, they have learning needs that are different than the majority of the class. It could be students that have language issues because they don't speak English. They're new to Canada, and as a result, they need extra supports. It could be students with behavioral issues, with uh, mental health issues. There's a variety of different complexities, physical complexities too, that lead into the need for extra supports in the classroom. 
And so we can't, I don't think we, we can come together and even understand what the complete classroom complexity problem is. Now, in some provinces, and we just had this conversation, some provinces, they basically, instead of trying to define it, they basically said, we're going to try and have money available so that if class size hits a certain area, then the class gets divided in two, we hire another teacher, and it comes from this pool of money. That's Quebec. That's what they did. Other places have have found other ways to try and have basically the cost of handling classroom complexity built in. Prince Edward Island put put right into their collective agreement that they would have a joint committee system, right? So they have funds available. They have a joint committee system. And when they're trying to address, now keep in mind PEI is pretty small, but when they're trying to address this classroom complexity issue, the joint committee comes together and makes a decision, right? So these are all different possibilities we've tossed out. Do I think that... Monday, we're going to hear the province came back with a new mandate that includes classroom complexity. No, I will be shocked if it's in there. We are going to see money in there. But even that, like we're already getting hints, right? The Minister of Education, Jeremy Cockrell, had a video out yesterday which, by the way, <laughs> we're getting we're getting lots of texts criticizing the video. I won't get into the production of the video and what images they use, but there is some criticism of that. But he's already hinted that basically their new mandate mirrors what the MLAs have done in terms of putting a cap on the cost of living. And so we can almost predict what the money offer is going to be. But classroom complexity, I'll be shocked if it's in there. I want to know your prediction. What do you think this new mandate from the provincial government is going to be? one 332 8255 We take a quick news break, and then when we come back, we'll open up the phone lines. There are tons of texts people are sending in on this issue. I'd love to hear from you. We know there's a new mandate. All of the strike action has been put on pause. Teachers are back at the table with the province on Monday. They're going to open the door. They're going to see the new mandate. Are they smiling? Are they frowning? Are we going to have lunchtime supervision issues following that? I'd like to know your thoughts. What's your prediction? This new mandate from the provincial government, one 332 8255 Your thoughts next on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.